Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. A big day in the state of Mississippi and the start of a big sports week. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18-hole championship courses, award-winning golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can play them yourself by going to DancingRabbitGolf.com. Book your tee time, plan your trip. If you've got any questions, give them a call at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Number there on the website at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Love to hear from you. C Spire text line is open 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in C Spire country. We are going to do everything we can to get you set for baseball. Coming up tonight, 5 o'clock scheduled, and I use that word intentionally, scheduled first pitch at uh, Pete Taylor Park for Game 3 of the Hattiesburg Super Regional. It was after midnight. In fact, I think it was closer to 1 a.m. when the game time was announced, and I guess it was simply because they had to wait for all of the other games to finish to decide when tonight's game was going to be played. I saw a tweet from uh, from Rick Cleveland just a little while ago, and um, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have it pulled up exactly. I don't know. I'll give it to you exactly. Uh, so, this was 48 minutes ago. ESPN set the time for Game 3 at 5 p.m. Weather radar for 5 p.m. in Hattiesburg looks like an art student spilled paint on the computer screen. This could be a long, long night. So we will see. You know, the NCAA, how dare they, how dare they put a super regional in a place that has weather? I mean, I, don't, I, I, don't by definition all places have weather I, of some I, sort. I'm I just think. saying that there is a apparently dome a stadiums clear don't glass dome above Lindsey Nelson Stadium that allows them to not be impacted by rain. Yet another thing that the NCAA should have taken into account, but they didn't. And how dare they? Yeah, what a how dare uh, they? What a weekend of sports we had with uh, college baseball taking center stage with uh, Super Regionals. There was drama 
in some places, and in some places there was not drama. Did you just pull the radar up? I just up, pulled Borky? the radar up. Buddy, I don't, I don't know if we're playing baseball today. Yeah. Oh, man, uh, yeah. that might be a Tuesday morning finish. You know, the, the good news is that um, we got a turf field. And so if it stops raining, you are okay. Though, NCAA officials have shown a um, a reluctance to start a game if they don't think that it can be completed or there's not a window to play the entire thing. But we will uh, we'll well, just keep Well, they're going to play tonight. It'll just be hours later. Okay. It's going to yeah. clear on out of here. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, LSU got to completely manipulate the system. I mean, <clears throat> the NCAA <clears throat> the, decided to uh, delay a game five hours when it was a stunningly beautiful day the entire day. So, Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the weekend in terms of uh, the weather and kind of wreaking havoc on a bunch of different places for, uh, for college baseball. The hour-by-hour forecast is actually not bad. For Hattiesburg, five o'clock, eighty-five degrees, fifty-six percent chance of scattered thunderstorms. Goes down to forty-one percent at six o'clock, twenty-two percent at eight o'clock, and then it's less than twenty percent uh, until uh, well through midnight. So they're going to play tonight, they're play. and uh, hopefully it won't be an issue. There is, however, currently a severe thunderstorm watch in effect for Hattiesburg, and if you look at the uh, the radar itself again. There is uh, there's plenty of green and some other colors that are uh, are mixed in on the uh, on the radar in and around Hattiesburg. So fun times as we get to game three. We have a game three because Southern Miss and Tennessee split the first two games of the weekend. Let's start with Saturday. Saturday afternoon, game one of the Super Regional. Things are going quite well for Southern Miss. In fact, we talked about on Friday, what if Southern Miss could score early, score a run in the first inning, and kind of get that crowd going? Well, they didn't just score a run. They scored two in the top of the first. They scored another run in the top of the third and another run in the top of the fourth and led this game four to nothing when Tennessee was batting in the bottom of the fourth inning as the home team and it went into a rain delay. So in terms of the way the weekend started for Southern Miss, not with Tanner Hall on the mound, but instead with Billy Oldham on the mound, you could not have drawn the situation up any better, any better at all for the Golden Eagles. No, and the the weather was was interesting, right? So you watch the game, and, and Oldham is just dealing. In Tennessee, I mean, the... the he, he's mowing them down, and then the weather comes, and I had the thought that I imagine a lot of Southern Miss fans had, that weather delay is going to ruin the momentum. And it did, right? I mean, that's what it felt like. I mean, Saturday morning, 11 a.m., and things got squirrely quick until they didn't. And Southern Miss recovered and won the game, thanks to a really nice relief effort, which I've got a question for you guys coming up on that note. Um, and you couldn't have dreamed a better scenario. One went away from Omaha, your guy on the mound, and it just didn't go the way that you would have expected it to go. So after the weather delay that ultimately got pushed into uh, let's finish the game the next day, Sunday morning. So an 11 a.m. start on Sunday morning, Southern Miss kind of seeds the momentum to Tennessee. They get um, a bases-loaded hit-by-pitch to score the first run of the game and make it 4-1. to one. 
And then is it Jared Dickey? Yeah, the three hole hitter gets a, uh, a two run single, and it's a one run game headed to the sixth inning. Southern Miss is able to kind of settle things down. They answer with a run in the top of the sixth. They got a fielder's choice from uh, from Carson Pato. He drove in a run, and it was back to a two run ball game. So five to three, hey dad, and then Mississippi, or excuse me, Southern Miss. Uh, they lean heavily on Justin Storm at the end of that ball game. He goes the final four and a third, gives up two hits. He walked a couple, but he struck out three, worked himself out of a jam through 86 pitches in relief. And once again, Justin Storm, a hero on the mound for Southern Miss as they get the game one win. Yeah, I saw a tweet, and I don't have the stats right in front of me, but Justin Storm's postseason numbers are just ridiculous. As, as good as, you know, these last couple of years we've seen, you know, we had Landon Sims with Mississippi State. Uh, we had was it Mallett's last year for Ole Miss. And, and now Justin Storm, you know, the, these guys are coming out of the bullpen are making a huge difference. And Storm was big in the regional. He, he was big again uh, on, on, uh, on Sunday for the Golden Eagles. Here's my question. What okay. kind of availability... Do you have from him today? Eighty-six pitches is what the box score says he threw. Four and a third. Can you go to him for? And if you can, for how long? That that seems like a pretty extended outing without a day of rest. But he's your best, clearly your best bullpen arm. You know, if you're in one of those situations where you need to get outs, can you go back to him comfortably? Not for four innings, but my guess is if Scott Barry goes to Justin Storm or Justin Storm goes to Scott Barry and says, hey, my arm feels good today, it feels good, and I can give you an inning, or I can get an out for you, or I can get four outs or whatever, then you might see him again? I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to kind of wait and see on that and if Southern Miss needs it. I mean... If Southern Miss has a one-run lead late in the game, do you feel comfortable doing that? So that was in game one yesterday, so that was yesterday morning. So you're talking about, what, 24 hours of rest, which is obviously not a lot when you're talking about a pitcher. Yesterday they used, what, Cross Sibley for a uh, an extended outing at the end of the ballgame, so you know that he is probably done for the weekend. Um. We need to we need to give game two its its due because there's a lot to talk about in this second game yeah. that Southern Miss led four nothing in. The, by the way, the pitchers that Southern Miss used in in the second game yesterday, Tanner Hall goes four and a third, and Cross Sibley goes four and two thirds. So they have only used well, they've used five pitchers. Armistead worked a third of an inning. He could certainly go again. Yeah. So when you start thinking about the bullpen for Southern Miss, what else do you feel good about? Um, and and I don't know the answer to that. If Storm tells you that he's good for a couple innings today, that's what you feel good about. You know, you probably go back to Will Armistead. Yeah, and he struggled mightily, but he's he's better than what he showed in that. Kind of a weird start, but not start with a runner on first and a count deal. Yeah. You know, Matt Adams has been a starter throughout the course of the year. Southern Miss going to start Nico Mazza tonight, so maybe Matt Adams could go in kind of an extended relief outing if you needed him to. 
My guess is that might be the first place that uh, that Scott Barry turns. But uh, we will see. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll pick up with game two from yesterday when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, let's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Adam and Monticello on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. So I've got USM's Super Regional, NBA Finals Game 5, and Monday Night Raw tonight. Well, that's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And if you want to play this out for the rest of the week, obviously we've got to see what happens with Southern Miss tonight. Starting on Saturday, you will have the College World Series And the U.S. Open, and by the way, the U.S. Open when it's on the West Coast is my favorite. I mean, I know there's some great East Coast golf courses, but when you get U.S. Open on the West Coast, you get golf late into the evening, on uh, especially on Saturday and Sunday when they're really kind of pushing it into that TV window, and so that's going to be fantastic. Two Super Regional games happening this evening. One of them is in Hattiesburg, and the other one is in Stanford, California. The other six spots have been taken in the College World Series. We'll get to that coming up in a bit. But I want us to go back and, and talk about Game 2 yesterday for uh, for Southern Miss. So we talked about a second ago the fact that the uh, the Golden Eagles had a 4 nothing lead in that game. Chase Dolander was the starter for Tennessee. He ends up going eight innings. Tony Vitello decided to roll with Chase Dolander Despite giving up four, you got an RBI single from Dustin Dickerson to start the scoring for Southern Miss in the bottom of the third inning. And then you got a three run home run from Christopher Sargent to make it four to nothing. And there are a lot of coaches with what was on the line or what the stakes were who would go, okay, our guy's rattled. We got to get him out. But they didn't do that. They, they stuck with Dolander. And he's really he, good, man. Yeah, he's really good. The fact that he's seven and six this year is crazy. Doesn't make sense. He just he did not pitch as well at the beginning of the year this year as he has all of his other time at Tennessee, but he's been good down the stretch. Flip side for Southern Miss and Tanner Hall. So Tennessee scores six runs in the top of the fourth inning. How about that for an answer? Down four to nothing. And down a game, playing in an elimination game for you, a big answer in the fourth inning for Tennessee. An RBI single for um, Griffin Merritt. And then Blake Burke hits a two-run home run. And then Jared Dickey gets another big base hit like he did in the first game. He gets a two-run single. And just like that, it's 6-4. to four. And so Tennessee answers in a really big way. And then they get two more runs in the top of the fifth inning. So it goes from 4 to nothing to down 
roller coaster of emotions. Southern Miss stuck with Tanner Hall through that inning and then put him back out on the mound in the fifth. He recorded one out in the fifth inning before ultimately Scott Ayer goes to the bullpen. And defense was an issue yesterday for Southern Miss. They commit four errors in that ballgame. And you just can't do that when the stakes are that high when a trip to Omaha is hanging in the balance. Some of them were tough errors. Some of them were, you know, less tough. But errors nonetheless. Of Tennessee's eight runs in the game, only six of them were earned. So you, you gave them a couple of runs on because of those errors. So I was curious, based on what Tanner Hall did yesterday, you know, he pitched in a super regional game that was an elimination game for Southern Miss a year ago, that Sunday game against Ole Miss. And hey, Ned, listen to how eerily similar Tanner Hall's pitching lines are in the two games. So yesterday, four and a third, six hits, seven runs, six earned, one walk, five strikeouts, hit three batters through 86 pitches. So that was yesterday. A year ago against Ole Miss in that second game of the Hattiesburg Regional, Tanner Hall goes five and a third, so he pitches an inning longer. He gets into the sixth inning. Eight hits instead of six. Four runs all earned. One walk, same number. Six strikeouts, had one more. Hit a batter and threw 89 pitches. Very, very similar performances from Tanner Hall, who we've just become accustomed to seeing go seven, eight, nine innings over and over and over and over and over to the point where it's like you don't even bat an eye about it. And in consecutive years, in the biggest game in which he has pitched, with really, really high stakes, he has not been able to go as deep into a ball game as we are used to seeing him go. Yeah, I mean, I'll be the first to tell you, or probably won't be the first to tell you, that when, when it was 4 nothing USM, and they've got Tanner Hall on the mound, my first thought was, well, this is over. They, they've done it. But they're they're going to get through here. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you know, I didn't want to tweet anything. You know, I didn't want to jinx anybody, but I was just like, that's... And then for him to, to fall apart in the next inning like that was really, really surprising to me. And, of course, defensively, didn't get a lot of help either. But, man... I, I really thought it four nothing with, the, and I just felt like they had the momentum, right? They they had won game one earlier. Now the crowd's got to be super into it, and and I just felt like that all the momentum was on their side. So you have to give Tennessee a lot of credit for battling through that, which is something we haven't seen them do very much this year. You know, they have not been a great team on the road. They haven't had a, a whole ton of adversity to fight through at home. So they they played really well to come back against one of the best pitchers in college baseball. And so this is what it sets up today. Here's your backdrop for today. Scott Berry coaching in his last game ever at Pete Taylor Park. And Scott says it's not about me, and he's right. It's not about him. It's about his team. But the winningest coach in program history is one win away from a, a jewel in his crown in his final season as the head coach. And that's getting Southern Miss to Omaha for the second time ever and for for his only time. So so you have you have that piece. You have Tennessee who spent 
almost the entire season a year ago as the number one team in the country, who was the number one overall seed last year, who swept through the Knoxville Regional and then who got bounced in the Super Regional. I mean, they were, it was like rubber stamp Tennessee to Omaha, and when they get there, rubber stamp the trophy to them. That, that's kind of how it felt for much of the year until it didn't. And Notre Dame wins that Super Regional. And so a team coming back from that disappointment from a year ago that is a different team in both how it acts and how it plays and who is playing. You've got them now one win away from going to the College World Series. You have a Southern Miss team who almost looks like it's more comfortable with the pressure high. right? Th- think about Southern Miss. Loser's bracket, Sunbelt Conference Tournament. They battle all the way back and they win it all. Loser's bracket after losing the first game of the Auburn Regional. And then they rip all four wins in a row. Backs against the wall. Season hanging in the balance every time they stepped on the field. Tennessee has not faced that in the postseason. They didn't play particularly well and got bounced in one game on Tuesday at Hoover. They played really well in Clemson and swept through that regional in 3-0. So Tennessee has not faced until yesterday an elimination game in the postseason. They responded beautifully in that scenario yesterday. But Southern Miss has kind of done that. In a lot of ways, didn't it feel like Southern Miss was playing elimination games down the stretch as they were trying to play their way into a host spot? They, they were trying to win the Sunbelt Conference regular season, all of those things. Feels pretty even. It feels pretty even going into this last game with a trip to the College World Series hanging in the balance. Yeah. And so... What's well, the X factor then? Because my, my fear is I was talking to somebody earlier about this, and it, it was Tennessee's bats. That's what we kept going back to is the, the way Tennessee hit yesterday was eye-popping, considering who they did it against in the situation and, and things like that. Those dudes can hit the baseball, top to bottom, too. It's everybody in the lineup. They're, they're really dangerous. They run. They got power. Um, and also all that arrogance and swag that comes with that. But that offense, I yeah. But think, Tennessee hasn't looked like that this weekend, have they? They, 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 have, they did against Tanner Hall. No, no. I mean, in terms of like the arrogance and the what, it, what it took we them saw until they started a year winning. They, like they had to front run it. Basically, it, it didn't happen until then. You know. Yeah. You look pretty stupid if you were doing that when you were getting beat. But that's that's what they did all last year. It didn't matter. I mean, they just they had it. But yeah, that uh, they weren't getting beat last year. They, they just <laughs> never lost last year. They went twenty five and five in the league and won fifty seven games. True, but uh, yeah, that bat flip was uh, shades of last year's Tennessee on the four hundred. What was it? Four eighty nine is what they said it was. That didn't go four eighty nine. It went five eighty nine. That's an undersell. It was it was gargantuan. My gosh. It was gargantuan. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be right back. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi.
with you at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. We should be an hour and 22 minutes from game time. We uh, just get a picture from um, Mike Wilson, who covers Tennessee at the Knoxville News Sentinel of the field at Pete Taylor Park, and there is nobody on it. In, in a normal time, an hour and 22 minutes before first pitch, the stands would be full or filling up, and you would have teams on the field taking batting practice. Have we officially gotten a word? I don't think we have officially seen a word that there has been any sort of a delay. It does not appear to be the case as of this moment. Okay, so nothing official yet. You can we, do one plus two. Most of the time it does equal three. Yeah, absolutely. A- absolutely. If they're not on the field an hour and a half before first pitch, then it's probably not starting on time. I will say that looking at the radar for Hattiesburg, it's gotten a little bit better. Um, rain breaking up a little faster than it looked like it uh, it might have. If you just said, Let, let's make a bet on what first pitch is going to be, this is not, we're not reporting anything here. This is not anything official at all. And you're just like, hey, yeah. when do you think they'll play tonight? I'd say 7.30 or 8 because they're going to be in the clear at, at that time with a window plenty, plenty big hey, for them to play. This is official. See, our audience is the best. Somebody at the ballpark took a picture of the scoreboard that now says the event has been delayed. Beautiful. Wonderful. Boots on the ground, man. The video board in Hattiesburg says today's event has been delayed. Please head to the nearest exit and follow the instructions of security officials. So, there you go. We are officially in a delay. 8 o'clock is floating around in a bunch of different places. There is a sports anchor at a TV station in Tennessee who has tweeted that. We get a message on the ceasefire text line says, I was told the game was pushed back to 8 by a co-worker. Not sure where they got that time. Perhaps it all started from the uh, the anchor in Knoxville. I don't know if she's at the ballpark. I do know that in uh, about 10 minutes we're going to check in with Hunter Dawkins, who has covered the regional this weekend for the Gazebo Gazette. You can read much of his work online at supertalk.fm on the uh, the sports tab or the news tab. You've got, uh, you got plenty of that there. I'm having trouble being really upset about this. I know there are lots of people with all kinds of built-up outrage for no particular reason. It just means we're going to get baseball later into the evening tonight. The Super Regional round is not going to end as early as we thought it was going to, so I'm good with it. How? Again, how dare they? I'm telling you, man, I I keep hammering this because I keep seeing The discourse around this Super Regional, and not fans. Fans are dumb, and they they do dumb things, right? And message boards are ridiculous, and... It's just kind of the nature of it. It's beautiful, it's crazy, and everything in between. But the the media perpetuating this idea that, like, this is Southern Miss and Hattiesburg's fault because in June we get thunderstorms. Just mind-blowing. This idea that the, the weather is something that would have been prevented had they just played it in Knoxville is so funny to me. Like... 
what do you think Coming Knoxville mostly is? Mostly from Tennessee media people. Of course, absolutely. And they they don't even believe what they're saying. No, it's just a way to you know. I mean, they're they're speaking to the people who follow their work primarily. <laughs> so it's just so funny. It's a. I mean, you think that you don't get random pop-up showers in June in Tennessee? Because I've been to Tennessee and did a lake weekend, and we had to go in every two hours because a pop-up thunderstorm out of nowhere came. Like, that's just the South this time of year. It happens. And, oh, well, why didn't ESPN play the game earlier? Television windows. I mean, are, are you guys new? Like, is this 1988? Why didn't they play the game they at 11 a.m.? They on are a, new to this. Uh, apparently so. Why didn't they play the game at 11 a.m. on a Monday? Uh, because television windows. That drives everything. That's why we have noon kickoffs on September 2nd in football when it's 100 degrees. Why are we willing to deal with that? Television windows. That drives everything. Yeah. ESPN doesn't want to have a college baseball game on their network disrupting Stephen A. Smith at 11 a.m. Well, and they want to drive a bigger audience to the game. Of course, because they spend money on the game. So they want to maximize their audience. They'd rather risk a delay, which is what they're getting, and play the game later than play it earlier. During the workday. Just, like, just basic, you know, Using your brain stuff. Yeah. Um, This is one of two super regionals that's still going. The other is happening on the West Coast with uh, Stanford and Texas. So the other super regionals this weekend in Baton Rouge, where they did not play until late, late Saturday night because they delayed the game five hours due to the threat of inclement weather and Jay Johnson talking to the NCAA rep on the Monday following their regional, who was the same rep that they had for their super regionals, like, we can't do this again or we run out of a pitcher out and only get three innings in. And so because of the threat, they postponed it. They pushed the start time back five hours and then got to the park and then it started raining. And they ended up going with a seven-hour weather delay. But they did play on Saturday night. And they got a great atmosphere on Saturday night. And they got a great performance by Paul Skeens. And they got a great performance from LSU's offense, winning 14 nothing in Game 1. Imagine a 9 p.m. kick in Tiger Stadium. Just forfeit. You got no shot. Been there, done that, buddy. Maybe not nine o'clock, but 9 I've been there for eight fifteen. I've been for eight fifteen, which is close yeah. enough. You can get a lot of drinking done in forty five minutes if you try hard. Yeah, I did, they didn't need level. to. There, there was there was no other level to be found uh, in, in that forty five minutes. I assure you on that particular Saturday night. And then last night, LSU won at twelve to three and pulled away late once again. And oh, by the way, what a cool ending to Dylan Cruz's career in Baton Rouge where Kentucky decides to pitch to him with first base open, and he just rips a double in the gap. Very vintage. Dylan Cruz at bat, scores two runs, and the party was on. Was that what people were debating over, if you walk him to get to to Tommy White? And it's like, I understand the idea of only pitch to one if if you have to. 
But what's to say that Tommy White doesn't take a first pitch fastball and hit it 428 feet? Lo- loading the bases for a guy who appropriately is nicknamed Tommy Tanks also feels stupid. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you want to get stabbed in the left arm or the right arm? You're getting stabbed either way, so you might as well just take it. So LSU back in the College World Series. First time since 2018, is that correct? I think that's correct. It's been five years since LSU's been to Omaha. Which says to me that LSU will do what Mississippi State did two years ago and what Ole Miss did last year, which is take over the state of Nebraska. Yes. Yeah. They, they will be traveling yeah. in mass to middle America. Yeah, when the, the local bar and restaurant owners saw you know Wake Forest, which is a cool story, don't get me wrong, and Oral Roberts... Yay, that's good for them. And then LSU, big sigh of relief. All right, let's let's go to work. <laughs> Everybody get ready to take a nap this weekend because you're not taking a nap for the next two weekends. Virginia and Duke. Duke wins game one, five to four. Looked like it was going to be a walk-off in game one for Virginia. Duke got a catch, uh, what, at the wall? And uh, they won that game five to four, but then Virginia big time in the last two games, fourteen to four and twelve to two. Oral Roberts in Oregon was fun. That was a great environment at PK Park on the uh, on the campus of Oregon there in Eugene. They filled it up. It was loud. Fans were into it. They were fired up, excited to be there. Oral Roberts scores eight runs in the third inning on Friday night. But they can't hang on. Oregon comes all the way back and walks it off with a 9-8 win, only to see Oral Roberts come from behind and win 8-7 to in the bottom of the ninth inning in Game 2. And then ORU yesterday with an 11-6 win over Oregon, Oral Roberts, a four-seed, headed to the College World Series. Good stuff there. TCU pretty dominant. Big crowds in Fort Worth. They win four to one and six to four. Florida, the two largest on-campus baseball crowds for a college game in the history of the state of Florida in back-to-back days, winning five four and four nothing. That's sad. that South game Carolina. one was awesome. I was like, it just it was a great baseball game. It was really really good. And then Wake Forest, little bit of controversy in game one. They they don't call a check swing on what should have been a third strike. Guy hits a home run. They end up winning at five to four, but then no drama yesterday, twenty-two to five, including ten runs scored in the top of the eighth and ninth combined for Wake Forest. More sports talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Let's jump to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Hunter Dawkins joins us from Hattiesburg. He's at Pete Taylor Park where eventually we're going to have baseball, but not at the time that we had hope. Hunter writes the Gazebo Gazette. You can read much of his work at supertalk.fm or at uh, Gazebo Gazette. So first of all, Hunter, what can you tell us about the weather situation in Hattiesburg, as we were supposed to get Game 3 of the Super Regional between Tennessee and Southern Miss, started at 5 o'clock. Yes, sir. Richard, thank you very much for having me on. It's always an honor and a privilege. Um, well, looking at the skies right now, 
it's kind of cloudy and a little bit overcast as I've been getting Harrison County updates for potential thunderstorms, although, as you know, Harrison County is a little bit of distance from Forest County. However, that's it's kind of gloomy all the way across the board. I do. I have been checking the radar from Hattiesburg. It is supposed to start coming down pretty good at about 7 or 8 o'clock in that time frame. Hopefully the game's done or getting close to being done that period of time, and we'll move forward. Yeah, so certainly going to uh, hope that everything is good on that front. Uh, stakes are pretty high tonight for Southern Miss as uh, they win game one, had to finish it yesterday morning, game two, uh, goes Tennessee's way uh, a little un-Tanner Hall-like in that performance yesterday, not as able to go as deep into the game. I mean, there's an element of this where you just tip your cap to uh, to Tennessee's offense in that second game. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, was, it wasn't all Tanner's complete fault. I mean, there were some errors. There were some prolonged innings. And they just, USM got out of its zone. And that was something that Tanner has been good at all year, of keeping them in relative in the zone, and they got out of it a little bit. But I will still tell you, Richard, that there were seven hits on Dolander. Even with his good performance later on in the game, it got better. But there were every single hit that was you know recorded by Southern Miss were deep hits. Uh, for instance, Danny Lynch hit two or three long balls maybe just a little bit here or there in yards that could have gone out. And the the confidence in Southern Miss is all by what Dustin Dickerson said at the press conference. He said, look, guys, for us, motivation, it's Omaha or go home. Hunter, tell me about the environment inside Pete Taylor Park the uh, the last couple of days. Huge crowds, packed to the gills. You know, Tennessee has brought as many as they could, which isn't nearly as many. What's it been like? Well, it's definitely been quite interesting. I mean, you know, you have the Southern Mist, you know, faithful all the way across every single pitch, every single batter. And, of course, Tennessee in the second game really started picking it up, really came out and got a little bit louder. And uh, it's it's amazing and fun to watch. Um, I've I've been to both Super Regionals. I went to the Ole Miss Regional last year, and it was almost a little bit of somber, not because of the game itself, but it was just it, the game was not as as entertaining. It wasn't back and forth like it is this this week, and it's certainly something to watch. And the ESPN two will have it all. Yeah, certainly going to be a lot of fun tonight. Uh, thoughts on Nico Mazo on the hill for uh, for the Golden Eagles? You know, Nico has pitched pretty consistently well the last three or four weeks that I've, I've watched. And even when he has been in trouble, there have been some guys, you know, of course, uh, Coach Barry said Will Armistead's definitely going to get some time if need be. And let me tell you something else, Richard. Don't put it past him putting in Justin Storm because Justin Storm, even though he pitched yesterday a pretty good amount of innings, if it's Omaha or bust, Justin Storm is a the guy they, they need to look to. 
Yeah, that to me, that's one of the most fascinating things to watch tonight. I mean, I don't know how much he can give you after going four and a third yesterday and, and throwing over 80 pitches in that game, but it feels like if you got to get three outs at the end, he might be the guy that they turn it over to. What, what about Matt Adams? So we know Will Armistead, after a really short outing, could go. Matt Armistead has been a starter most of the year. I'm sorry, Matt Adams has been a starter most of the year. Is there a scenario where you think in a, in a long relief situation, maybe that's the route they go? That's a very good possibility. Matt has not had any real performance recently, especially in the regionals. I thought they were going to use him at least a few times, but you know he's been consistent uh, in conference championship and all the rest. It was uh, it was good and a good thought, but I'm still thinking from hearing Barry, he really was was instrumental in talking to Armistead yesterday. He said in the press conference, "We're going to have you back." So I'm thinking Armstead might might be put in for a long relief plan, but I still believe Justin Storm is is going to be could be the end factor. All right, sounds good. Going to be great tonight. Whenever they're able to play it, Hunter. Thanks for your time. Hey, appreciate you. You guys take care of yourself. Hunter Dawkins joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Four o'clock hour coming up on a Monday. That means we will start things off with winners and losers. We're back with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. now. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us alongside Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, it's the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Looking for a spot to uh, watch the game tonight? Whenever it happens, well, the sportsbook at the Golden Moon would be a good spot to do it. In fact, you could take it all in tonight, right? You could watch Game 5 of the NBA Finals. You could watch Texas-Stanford Game 3 to go to the College World Series. And you could uh, watch Southern Miss-Tennessee Game 3 to go to the College World Series, all from the sportsbook, all at the same time. And if you wanted some action on all three of those games, well, you could do that too. You can learn more about the sportsbook online at PearlRiverResort.com. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. Coming up this weekend, it's the 2023 Mississippi Bombers Summer Southeast Invite. 14U, 16U, and 18U happening. 120 teams from 15 different states. Sports Talk Mississippi will be there on Friday afternoon from 3 until 6. Over 85 college coaches will be in attendance. Uh, That was the case at last year's event. They expect the same this year as well. As uh, we get you set for a big softball weekend at M Trade Park, 
For a full schedule of events, visit them online at mtradepark.com. As we start the 4 o'clock hour, this is what we do on every single Monday. It's time for winners and losers. Losers? Losers. Losers? Losers. Like people who lose? We got to lose. It's like the movie about the Indiana high school basketball team if they hadn't won state. Instead of Hoosiers, it would have been called Losers. Losers. But they won, so they got to be Hoosiers. Got to be Hoosiers. I don't think I've ever talked through the Winners and Losers Open before, but uh, yeah. Sorry, we did it uh, today. You Losers could also be the low-budget remake of Cool Runnings. One for the money. Oh, that's, that's, that's where I was going. Two for the show. So they were bomb sweaters, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's too much. Um, it's too much. You know how it works. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? Winners and losers. Um, just because of happenstance, because baseball wasn't really happening right then, and I happened to be in front of the television, I tuned into Fox's coverage of the Belmont Stakes, and uh, I saw history happen. Archangelo ran a great race and won, and his trainer, Jenna Antonucci, became the first female trainer to win a triple crown race. That is a series that spans more than a century. And so uh, congratulations to her. And drone shots of a full stadium track horse race are really, really cool. You know, when you watch a horse race through just like traditional camera angles, it's like, oh, okay, this is fun. When you watch the drone and you can see the horses moving and angling and trying to go into the turns, that's really cool stuff. So, uh, Archangelo, winner, fast horse, at least in New York this past Saturday. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. I heard the, real quick, I heard the coverage of that was interesting. They said that, like, you could barely hear the announcers because they had yeah. the camera, the, the audio jacked up on the horses so much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I heard, and they're off, and down the stretch they come, and that was really enough for me. But That's all you for, need. That's for some need. aficionados, I, I guess they wanted uh, a little more about, you know, Archan- uh, Archangelo uh, breaking to the inside as an 8-1 to favorite, uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All right. We'll stick with niche sports here and go with uh, Manchester City. I have to give them credit. It was finally their time. They've been the best club in the world for the past five, six years now. Uh, but could never get over the hump in the Champions League. But they finally did a one-nil win on uh, Saturday over Inter Milan to to really seal their place in history. They won a treble, won the Premier League, won the FA Cup, and now have won the uh, the Champions League. And they're just a monster. Uh, you know, they're basically an oil state. So you know, they get whatever they want um, <laughs> as far as players go. But it hasn't been enough until now. So good job, City, and. Uh, Ready? I'm, I'm, you know, we're only a month away from the preseason. It never stops. It never stops. It it, it never stops. Borky, give me a winner. Uh, a security guard at the Canadian Open. I said a winner, not a loser. <laughs> oh, he's a winner. Are you no. kidding me? So, uh, Nick Taylor wins the Canadian Open. Shout out former Sanderson Farms champion, Nick Taylor. Mm-hmm. Wins the Canadian Open in his home country. Big deal up there. Really cool atmosphere. Tons of people. I, I was, it, that was a big it deal. It looked great. 
drains a gigantic putt. I mean, what was it, 72 feet? Yes. Yeah. Uh, on the fourth playoff hole. On the fourth playoff hole to beat Tommy Fleetwood. And one of his dear friends and countrymen, Adam Hadwin, runs onto the green with a bottle of champagne spraying it. And a security guard did not recognize Adam Hadwin, because no offense, I mean, would you recognize? Anyway. Uh, I mean, in Canada you might should. And maybe, but the security guard thought it was an unruly fan. And there is a video, a slow-mo video, of the security guard seeing him running around Nick Taylor and closing like Terry Tate office linebacker and leveling Adam Hadwin to the green, tackling him and securing him to make sure he couldn't spray champagne on his buddy. He's okay. The security guard was deeply apologetic, and they all had a good laugh afterwards. The videos are so funny. That guy had been waiting for that moment all weekend. And you know, if you hire that guy... He'll protect your players. If you have an unruly fan on the green, buddy, he's going down. Terry Tate style. Video's hilarious. If you haven't seen it, you got to go see it. Professional golfer gets smacked to the turf after a win. (laughs) After his buddy wins, whatever. So, college baseball, take a bow. Because you looked great on television this weekend. LSU, what you expected from the box. Over 12,000. Jay Johnson bought, bought two sections worth of student tickets in the outfield and gave them to students who had been coming to games all season long. Virginia, they've really added on to Davenport Field. It looks great. They filled it up, about 5,000 a game for two games. Oregon, on the big stage at, uh, at, at PK Park, looked and sounded Great. TCU, almost 9,000, and they've done it because they have copied, and I mean this, I don't mean this in a negative way. They have seen what works in the SEC, and they have replicated it. Berm seating down the right field line, party area beyond the right field wall. I was at a game at Lupton Stadium that I was supposed to be doing for TV a couple of years ago, whatever Kyler Murray's last year was at Oklahoma when he was playing center field for them. It looked nothing like that then. They have continued to add to that facility. So they had almost 18,000, just shy of that for two games. Florida, if you build it, they will come. And boy, did they come. You give some shade, you give some berm space, you have an expandable facility, a nice facility, as opposed to just like an oven in the middle of campus, which Old McKeithen Stadium was, just shy of 18,000 for the two games there. I think that's right. Yeah, just shy of 18,000 for the two games. Campus record on consecutive days uh, there. Wake Forest, stadium's not as big, but they packed it out. They filled every seat they had. Better than 4,000 for each game. Stanford, Texas, I mean, I'm I'm trying. They're just shy of 3,000, which for Stanford is not all bad. I didn't think it was a terrible atmosphere for those games out in Stanford, California, but all in all, The eight Super Regional sites looked and sounded great. College baseball is growing. It has momentum. We need another good College World Series coming up over these next couple of weeks to allow this sport to continue to gain traction and continue to bring people in and make them love this game the way we love it. 
College baseball, winner this weekend. Oh, and by, I mean, I was talking about the seven others. Of course, Pete Taylor Park, absolutely packed to the gills. Yeah. Most expensive available secondary ticket of any of the eight regional sites, just shy of 6,000 on consecutive days. I mean, literally no room to put another person in there. The roost is full. The 16-ounce club is full. The chairback seats wrapped around the stadium completely full. The suite's full. People complaining that they can't get in. When people start complaining they can't get in, that knows you, that means you got a good thing going. Because a hard ticket is better than an easy ticket, even if you've got more. So a lot, lot of good stuff for college baseball this weekend. Do we have time to squeeze? Uh, nope, 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 nope. Don't have time. We're going to take a, uh, a quick timeout. We'll come back with uh, losers on the other side of this break. There are some of those. We're back with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Mississippi. Here's more Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. We want your winners and losers. You can send them uh, to us on the um, on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet. Learn more at cspire.com slash business. So, losers for the weekend. Losers, things that you uh, unless unless we have another winner that we need to roll in first. Uh, just a, a quick winner. I want to give a birthday shout out to Grimace. Evidently today is Grimace's birthday. The McDonald's legend. I didn't know this until earlier, but I found it out. So shout out to Grimace. You're the reason fat guys don't like to wear purple shirts. So you had Grimace, the Hamburglar, and Ronald McDonald. Those were the three. We had Mayor McCheese. Don't forget about him. I forgot. Clearly about Mayor McCheese. Yeah. Who's more famous, Grimace or the Hamburglar? Ooh, I'm gonna go the Hamburglar. Yeah, I think he's a little more, a little more well known, a little, a uh, little more memorable. Even he's notorious. He's a, he's, a, he's a criminal. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Borky. Do you have another winner we need to get, or shall we move to the negative? No, oh, we can move to the negative. The the baby Gronk story is is a loser all around. I don't know if you guys are familiar with. Um, I've kind of intentionally kept my distance, but yes, loosely. Uh, I have not looked at it at all, so just hit me with it. So I, I had seen references to baby Gronk in the past. I, I didn't indulge until the Athletic ran a story. Ari Wasserman has been on this show. Uh, interviewing this kid's dad. So Baby Gronk is a 10-year-old who has hundreds of thousands of followers on his social media accounts, uh, being essentially a wrestling heel but in football. And I didn't know much about him until I read the story from Ari. 
Turns out, again, 10-year-old boy. His dad runs all of his social media accounts. Uh, His dad keeps him on a strict six-day-a-week training regimen. His dad keeps him on a strict salmon and brown rice dinner diet because he's going to be the next Rob Gronkowski. And after reading this story, where this man essentially tortures his 10-year-old boy, I decided to look at some of the videos. The kid's miserable. You can see it on his face. And they're doing these, these videos where he's, like, calling people out and talking about uh, how he's going to take your girlfriends and stuff like I mean, it's it's really, really bad. It's what you would expect to see on WWE wrestling from adult men playing a character. And you can see this young boy reading a script that, that his dad gave him to get him to be popular online. And his dad spun it as, I'm just trying to set him up for life. And it, it, the, the whole story's gross. And, it, and now all these people that work for these major media outlets are, are sharing the messages that he sends to them. Now, this is his dad operating his 10-year-old social media accounts, trying to get them to do podcast interviews and feature him on these videos and stuff. It's really bad stuff. And, and I, I regret reading the article because I want to pretend like stuff like that doesn't happen. But the worst case of gigantic loser living vicariously through his young, impressionable child that you could see. And it's it's awful. And that was like the viral thing this weekend was baby Gronk. And it's Sounds really like they need bad. To watch the, uh, they need to watch the 30 for 30 on Todd Marinovich and see how that turned out for everybody. It, it wasn't great. I mean, no. like the, only, the only good thing for this kid is he, he did get to meet Livy Dunn. I'm sure they paid for it. Yeah, the, uh, I mean she's got appearance fees. You, I, there, there's some, there's some benefit that she got other than just meeting the kid. There's no doubt. Yeah, somebody that popular, you don't get her time without like she getting a benefit of some kind, like appearance maybe fees it was, and whatnot. Maybe it was a social media, uh, social media boost for her as well. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I hate to tell this. This guy, uh, your kid's not playing in the NFL. So so you can have your 10-year-old on a strict training and diet regimen. Um, you're five foot seven. Your, your kid's not playing in the NFL. So stop. Oh, the dad's 5'7"? Oh, dad, yeah. Yeah, no chance. Yeah, so stop trying to make him an enemy online because he's going to end up reading the comments. And for for a kid that age... Could you imagine what that's going to do to it's all it's all horrible. Mm. Hey, Dad, you get a loser? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know enough about it to really get too worked up about it, but it's just weird to see Stanford throw a guy 156 pitches last night. You know, I, I don't know enough about the guy. You know, maybe he's a junk baller. Maybe it's he throws that's not putting that much stress on his arm. But that is a lot of pitches. I think Borky told us. He's still 92, this 93 at pitch 120. And he threw 180 know, pitches in two outings last weekend. Yeah, so the stat is no major league that's, pitcher has thrown more since 2005. That's, that's, I mean, and obviously MLB has changed a lot the way they do things. You know, the days of a guy getting, you know, seven, eight complete games in a season are kind of past us and people work the bullpen. That's just a big number. That's a number that when you see it and you're a sports fan, you go, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of pitches. 
And I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know enough about the guy and who he is and, and the whole situation. I just know that, that that's a big number. It is. Um, Quinn Matthews. He was, I mean, eight hits, three earned runs, one walk, 16 strikeouts, 156 total pitches. If you watch him throw, his his mechanics are, like, flawless. I mean, he's like butter. It looks effortless on the mound for, for Quinn Matthews. At some point, we're going to have the second coming of Nolan Ryan, who just has an arm that doesn't quit. I don't know if Quinn Matthews is that or not. I tend to go benefit of the doubt for coaches here. Because I genuinely believe that the overwhelming majority of coaches have the best interest of their players at heart. And David Esker's reputation at Stanford is really, really good. That he's not a fly off the handle guy, that he's not a you know, that that he is a good coach, manages things the right way. Never too high, never too low, all of that stuff. So it's hard for me to believe that he's intentionally doing something, but in the last, what, nine days? Quinn Matthews has thrown 330 pitches in high-stress situations. I mean, not every pitch was high-stress, but they were postseason college baseball and kind of regardless of the score, that's pretty high stress. And Stanford played some close games last weekend, and they've obviously played close games this weekend. So I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, I'm not going to be Keith Law, who jumps on Twitter and immediately like starts calling for college coaches' jobs and how terrible they are and how negligent they are and whatever. I, look, I said to, I, I think I said it on the radio last week, when it comes to being a pitcher in baseball right now, either you've had Tommy John surgery or you're going to have Tommy John surgery. So maybe it's just like, go for it, then get the surgery, then start all over again. I I don't know. But I certainly will agree with you that 156 pitches is a lot. But I will also concede, very much walking the line on this, that not everybody's built the same. No, no, I know that, yeah, for sure. Physiologically, not everybody is the same. But the number and, of guys that 156 isn't a big deal to on their arm, that's a really short list. It's a very, very small number. On the it's heels like of two Ryan outings the previous weekend. I don't know weekend. who else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if Nolan Ryan rolls his eyes at Tommy John surgery. Well, do you think they were focused on Nolan Ryan? <laughs> I just got some duct tape on there and, and put it back together myself. I mean, you've seen some of the stuff these guys are throwing now. I went to um, the the Braves game right throw the other night. Yeah. And standing behind home plate and watching these double-A guys, which with all due respect to them, double-A guys that you've never heard of, and the stuff that they throw, I don't know how the baseball gets hit at the professional level. And most of the time in the college level. I don't understand how they hit the ball sometimes. Mm-hmm. You've got dudes throwing 
88 mile an hour sliders that are just diving across the plate. And it, it I don't know how you hit it. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe that's more of it. Maybe as the breaking ball has gotten harder and harder, you're putting so much torque at the release point with what you're doing with your wrist and your fingers and that pressure working its way down to the elbow. Maybe that's got something to do with it also. I, I don't know. I don't know, but it's a lot of pitches, a lot of pitches. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We will take a timeout. We will be back with you. By the way, one more loser, rain delays. We're back after this. It's big. Brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Can roll a winner and a loser into a uh, into a single thought, and also mention our friends from Polk's who've had a great weekend in and around Hattiesburg. Polk's meat food Friday. Know what's about it, folks? Picky people pick Polk's. We we're talking about our plans of cooking for the weekend. Hey, Dad. By the way, uh, the uh, the the Mississippi pot roast looked really good. It's so good. So good. It looked really, really good. Oh, I was happy. It's better than pulled pork, man. I'll die on that hill. It really is. It's easier, too. And cheaper. But what did Polk's do? Tell us about that. Well, I bought food to cook on Saturday night. I was thinking, sit outside, watch baseball, feed the family, going to be all good. And then the rains came. And came and came and came and came and it just kept raining, and um, it rained us out. And so I had steaks and salmon that were seasoned, and bacon wrapped asparagus bundles and stuffed mushrooms and twice baked potatoes all ready to go. And they all just had to go into the refrigerator. And so Saturday night's cookout is turning into Monday night's cookout. Please don't rain on me. Oh. So there you go. Loser from Saturday yeah, turns Borky. into a winner on Monday. He's and already yeah. got Obi on that salmon. Yeah. Next next thing you salmon know. Salmon and brown rice for you, Obi. And and then I'm gonna get a DM. Hey, let's collab on a new video. So Obi actually probably prefers salmon to steak. It's crazy. He loves it. It's good. It's really I, mean, I like salmon too. I'm not. I'm not gonna say that. Um, I like it raw though. That's the difference. But also, Obi's at tennis camp, so he doesn't even get to participate. Wow, not doing no. uh, his six days of regimented training, Richard. Do you want him to be a star in lacrosse or not? I mean, do you think they just let him sit around and not do anything while he's at tennis? Yeah, camp? but buddy, you got to focus on one thing. You know, he he's almost double digits in age, right? So, I mean, you got to buckle uh, he is, down. He is he is double digits. Oh, he's, he's, di- oh, he's, well, he's been ten for a while. Boy. Too late. He's too late. He, his it's the over. last camp he was at is the one that he's focusing on because Sailing? we're about to have Cross Two, the yacht camp. That's right. <laughs> when Cross Two gets out there, that that six hundred foot yacht. Hey. Well, now that'd be kind of cool. Although I don't think you sail one of those. I think they've got some. I think there's some turbine engines on those bad boys. 
I'm just but, saying, uh, you got to get the basics down. It's like, you know, you guys get on to me about driving a standard. You got to learn how to do a sailboat before they let you pilot the yacht. Yeah. That's such an important, it's such a good thing to know, by the way. Like, how to sail? W- w- when he starts getting into the dating life, like, how, how unique that will be. <laughs> Your first you date, take a girl on a sailboat. Yes. Yeah, I-, I agree with that statement. That's a good call. Shout out Blackjack Sailing didn't exist when I was uh, was a kid growing up here, but he went to sailing camp last week at uh, at Sardis and had a blast. Hey, look, they didn't play around. Like half of the first day was like kind of the very basics. Like here's a knot you need to know, and here's how to not drown with life jacket on. And then they put him on a boat, and they were on a boat for the entire rest of the week. It's so cool. He did a solo on Friday, like. Jane went out and went out with him, and like he did everything. God, that's so cool. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, what do the kids say? Riz? Yeah, he'll be he'll have a bunch of sailing Riz when he gets older. Riz? Charisma. Oh, that, that's what the kids are saying now. Yeah. Okay. Get the Riz. That's what the kids right. say. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Dwayne and Brandon, loser. Me. I did not win the lottery. I had to go to work this morning. Winner. I get to listen to you guys again today. Although, in fairness to Wayne, you still could have listened to us even if you had won the lottery. I mean, even if you were on your own yacht right now, you just get the app. Yeah. No problem. Uh, Let's see here. Winner. The fans at the Canadian Open this weekend, at times it sounded like a soccer match. Loser, the person who yells, get in the hole! On the tee, shot of a 500-yard par 5. Dog leg right. That's from Jeff in Oxford. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a winner. The uh, person who told us on the ceasefire text line at 428 that tonight's game for Southern Miss has been delayed. Thanks for the update. We appreciate that. Yeah, that was clutch. Amanda in Pike Can- uh, County. Winner. Riley Cooper for LSU. He's so not the norm for a pitcher, but he is fun to watch. Yeah. If uh, if Haydad was a pitcher, we might call him Riley Cooper. He just—he doesn't look like everybody else that pitches in college baseball, and it's fun. Um, I don't look like the athlete of the day is supposed to look, Daddy. Oh, he's kind of—he's got some Bartolo Colon in him, but with the hair. They got got similar builds. That, Uh, my friends, is peak male performance. That's what—that's the—that's what a man is supposed to look like. I'm sorry if that offends you. Not offended. Uh, Not much to this one. Loser, Tennessee fan base. Hmm. Okay. Oof. Oh, they've really they've really pushed. You know, if if you were someone who's like, why does everybody hate Tennessee? And then you read like the replies of one tweet. You're, oh, I get it now. Yeah, makes it makes total sense. The, well, one of them got in Robert St. John's mentions talking about racism in Mississippi. I'm like, you live in Tennessee. I, mean, I know you, you're north of Mississippi, but it's not the north. Are you familiar with the history of Pulaski, Tennessee? Uh, Might want yeah, to read like, up on is, that. Just, what, just saying. What are we doing here? And it, what it's are we just, doing? just saying. It's just parroting what like two people say. Like Wes Rucker calls the NCAA a joke for putting it in Hattiesburg, and now everything that happens in this regional is the NCAA's fault, and they're a joke. It, it's so. Uh, I mean, just exhausting. It really is. I've, I have not seen anything like it. I mean, again, Ole Miss played at Southern Miss literally last season. Happened last year in the same state. And while Pete Taylor Park is great and the fan base is great, Ole Miss 
has a has a larger facility, bigger one, and, and a fan base that generally is larger. And I did not hear a single Ole Miss fan complain about having to go to Hattiesburg nah, to play baseball. That, but I didn't hear Southern a was, single was one. Was the one seed though? But, that's, but just that's, the, that's a different scenario. But the the whole idea of all oh, the bleachers are metal, like all that crap. I mean, they are doing it with everything involved in this. It, it everything yeah. is bad, all of it, and it's like you don't have you don't have the facilities for that man, like. It just doesn't compute. None of it. Very bizarre. I watched a fan base go play there last year. I did. I mean, LSU players kind of talk junk. I didn't see LSU fans act like this having to go there last year. Hold on, hold on a second. So, speaking of Wes Rucker, this was 25 minutes ago. Somebody said, uh-huh. what are the facts, Wes? Please share. He goes, the NCAA gave this Super Regional to the team that didn't have the best RPI, strength of schedule, etc., and had an awful weekend weather forecast. Then multiple times at scheduled games, at times they couldn't possibly be played. Now whoever wins is disadvantaged in Omaha. Facts. Okay. His tweet is factually inaccurate. Southern Miss finished regional play with a better RPI. A worse strength of schedule, but a better non-conference strength of schedule. A conference tournament championship. What? What do you say? Strength of schedule. I'm off on or RPI. I'm off on. No, Tennessee, Tennessee's RPI is higher. Is it? It's twelve, and Southern's is nineteen. But is that not after the two games that were just played? No. But, uh. but it, it just the TV determines when the games start. TV says jump. Everybody else says how high. That's I'm, still, I'm sitting here looking at RPI on D1 baseball right now, and it has Southern Miss at 16 and Tennessee at 18. Let's see here. I, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm looking but, at it. But it doesn't matter because they're going to play the game tonight. They're going to play, and there's going to be a winner, yeah. and that team's going to move on and, and go play in Omaha, like th- th- this idea that the game's not going to get played is is ridiculous. They're going to play, and I mean, when the NCAA decided this, it was a week ago. Are, are we really going to have them look at seven day forecast and determine things based on that? Because that's super reliable, especially in the South in the summer. It, it just it takes such a leap in logic. It, it, emotions are coming out from somebody like him so much that he cannot possibly reason with anything other than orange and white good black and gold bad that's it that Warren Nolan RPI factors in the last two games in the super regional it's got this has D1 has Tennessee at 40 and 19 Warren Nolan has them at 42 and 20 yeah, well so whatever know. anyway Regardless, the resumes are not that different, and I don't really know that it made. It sense is a lot of the... sour grapes. I mean, this is this is how regionals have been decided. Stuff like this has been decided forever. We don't know the process, but to act like there's some huge conspiracy designed to benefit this what the second smallest school, third smallest school left in the tournament, you know, other than Indiana State and uh, and Oral Roberts. Why? Why? 
Why? Yeah. Why would why would the NCAA do that? How does it put you at a disadvantage in Omaha? It doesn't. I mean, you finish on Monday or you finish on Monday. Yeah. And then you get on a private jet and you fly to Omaha two days later. It's okay. We'll be back. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Ow! Come on. Are we going to do this? Back to Sports Talk, Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk, Mississippi. All right, we got a message on the uh, ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395, asking a question saying that there was uh, a rumor floating around that Mississippi State might be closing in on its pitching coach, and the name that came in on the ceasefire text line was Mike Silva. If you don't know who Mike Silva is, I will be happy to tell you. He is currently the head coach at Nichols, the Nichols, formerly Nick, Nichols State, Nichols Colonels, and they won the Southland Conference regular season and conference tournament, and they played in the Tuscaloosa Regional. And when Mike Silva got that job two years ago, Things were in really, really, really bad shape. Field was in disrepair. Locker room was in disrepair. They barely had uniforms that fit players, kind of mismatched a little bit. They've had to raise a bunch of money for that program. They've gotten it really respectable. They were a game above 500 a year ago. This year they make the postseason, and they have a bona fide, and probably the most important part of this conversation, they have a bona fide absolute stud at the front of their rotation, who was a true freshman that throws at 97 this year. His name is Jacob Myers. Hey, Dad, have you heard any of this smoke about Mike Silva? I've heard a lot of it, and um, you could probably go so far as to say zeroing in isn't the right term, but they're, they're, they are circling around around Mike Silva as, as a name to watch, as a guy who could possibly... Yes, thank you, Borky, for the uh, for the uh, the, the. I don't know. Circle and zero are, are very similar to. Well, yeah, but one has a numeric value and one <laughs> does not. One is just a geometric uh, equation. Um, that's the sports math, Mississippi, here. or geographic um, in this case. Yes, very much so. So definitely a name to watch. Um, and if there is going to be movement, it could happen in the next day or so, for sure. I I, I would. I think from a Mississippi State perspective, you certainly would like to tie the coach and the player together uh, because just from my line of thinking, it feels like there are, you know, and not that this guy hasn't been a pitching coach before, but it just feels like it just feels like they're tied together. And if you don't you don't get the pitcher, I don't know that bringing in the coach is, is exactly going to salvage where this baseball program is right now. So we'll have to see. And we talked about this kid a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, and, and you mm-hmm. said, because you got to see him at the uh, the regional, and you were just like, that kid will be in the SEC next season. And, and he'll have a lot of options to do it. 
probably on a Friday. Yeah, and he'll have a lot of options. You know, I would imagine Ole Miss would love to talk to him. I'm sure LSU will want to talk to him. Can we just shoot straight? Can we, like, rip the curtain completely back? They already have talked to him. Yes, yes. Well, no, I mean, I don't know that they already have. I mean, whatever. Okay. The kid's pitching in the SEC next year. Now, is it going to be in Baton Rouge? Maybe. That's kind of the general. By the way, he could stay at Nichols if he wanted to. He's not staying at Nichols. Somebody's paying the kid. Somebody's going to pay the kid $200,000 to come be their Friday night starter in the SEC next year. Now, is that in Starkville? Is it in Baton Rouge? Is it in Oxford? Is it in Fayetteville? Is it in Columbia, South Carolina? Is it in Gainesville? Is it in Knoxville? I listed seven. Texas and OU will not be part of the league next year, right? It's two years before they play baseball. Right. Correct. They start in the athletic year of 2024. Yeah. So that would be the 2025 baseball season. I mean, so I just listed seven schools that if you said, hey, Richard, give me the seven schools that could or would in baseball pay for a Friday night ace, what it takes. Those are the seven off the top of my head that would do it. I don't think Kentucky's spending that on a pitcher. I don't think Missouri's spending that. I don't think Alabama or Auburn are spending that right now. Maybe, maybe, but probably not. Missouri will pay a player more than its coach? (laughs) No, I don't don't think so. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what Georgia's got in terms of budget for uh, for Wes Johnson. He's going to be looking to rebuild that roster. This kid's not going there. Looks, man, he, he's either going to he's either going to LSU or to Ole Miss or State. Is what I would think. And, and look, that, that's that's like adding two plus two and make it equal four. That is not based on anything I learned from anyone specific while I was in Tuscaloosa last weekend. It's just not. But I know State needs arms. Yeah. And I know Ole Miss needs now, arms, and the we just, kid is we just wasting our time. Now it's it's being reported that he's out now, so I don't know. Let's just, just, just move it on. The kid's well, from Gonzales, and he went to Saint Amand. Yeah. I mean, that's twenty minutes from the LSU campus. Yeah, and Paul Skeens is going to be headed toward professional baseball. Just saying. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Back five o'clock hour sports talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. The uh, the radar that I'm looking at for uh, Hattiesburg right now does not look great. Uh, the good news is it looks like it's going to eventually get out of there tonight. Like the rain will be, I think, completely clear 
by between 7.30 and 8. Um, good time to be reminded that the field is all turf in Hattiesburg, and so it doesn't really matter how much it rains. Once it stops, they're going to be good to go. But it may be later in the night. And so you may get a, uh, some late-night baseball in Hattiesburg. There's worse things to consume on a Monday night, my friend, than win or go home baseball in Hattiesburg. I'm glad, in a weird way. I know a lot of people probably like formed their plans and took the day off and stuff around this. For me, I'm happy that it's going to be later. I'm glad I'm going to get to go home and eat and then put my feet up and have the dog curl up next to me because that's what he's been doing lately. And watch mm-hmm. and watch uninterrupted Super Regional Baseball with Omaha on the line. Hopefully the game is so entertaining that you don't fall asleep at 11 o'clock with yes. four yeah. innings remaining. Exactly. Although I hope it doesn't start that that late. But, yeah, man, this is, uh, this is mean, better for the viewer. Look, I don't know how they're playing before 8. Uh-oh. I, just just looking at the radar and like the future cast on the radar as these storms continue to move, hey, you hope that nothing pops up behind them. Um, we might need to we might need to check in with somebody that is at the ballpark, like sitting in the press box watching it and just seeing what it looks like. Just saying. Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of live entertainment. To see what is happening at Pearl River Resort, visit their website, pearlriverresort.com, and uh, check out the events tab. You've got Fluffy coming on July 1st. You can buy tickets online at pearlriverresort.com. We'd love to hear from you on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, you can learn more online at cspire.com slash business. It is time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one today. At your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Robert in Oak Grove on the ceasefire text line says, It is currently raining cats and dogs here in Hattie. We get another picture from uh, JP in uh, Pascagoula, or at least that's where he's from. But he's currently at the ball yard and uh, sends us a picture of dark clouds and rain. Ooh, yeah, these, this doesn't look good. It's going to get out of here eventually. And like you said, the turf field. It's all good, man. Squeegee it off, you're good to go. Look, this was, I mean, hey, Dad, you remember the year that uh, Mississippi State played in the Hattiesburg Regional? Yeah. And came back and won it, and they had big, big rain issues that year. The the field crew did an unbelievable job considering the amount of rain that came in, getting the rain off the field, tarp on and off. They had this this machine that, that went through, and every six feet would punch a hole in the turf and blow air in it and try and loosen up the soil and allow more water to, to kind of soak in and get off the field. They don't have to do any of that now. Don't have to do that at all. Dan says he's two miles from the park, and it's coming down pretty good. A lot of lightning. We're still on its way. They're going to be okay to play baseball later tonight. It's just going to be a good bit later. 
We can't, look, people keep saying the game's going to be played at 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock. They have not made an announcement. There is no, and, and Jeff, I appreciate it very much. That is the rumor that is floating around. It started with a news anchor in Knoxville who said, I'm told they're not going to play until 8 o'clock. There has not been a start time announced from this game, and it is currently raining and lightning in and around Pete Taylor Park. Once the rain stops and they can get the teams on the field, they're going to need an hour. And that's assuming they don't let them take batting practice on the field. That's just letting both teams take infield, getting the field ready to go, getting everybody in the stands, all that good stuff. Another question. You know how that probably started? Is she overheard a, ah, it looks like maybe we'll get to play this thing about 8 o'clock. Maybe. And then, and then poof, 8 o'clock. There are folks that are saying the game should have been played at 1 o'clock. I mean, once the TV time is set, they're going to... I mean, these people are smart. They were looking at the forecast, and they said, okay, we'll be able to get the game in even if it's delayed. It's, I mean, it's it's going to be okay. The game will be played. And I think there's an argument to be made that the later it gets for the start time, the rowdier the atmosphere gets as well. Yeah, what do you think they're now, doing right now? I mean, it's possible that you have fewer people in the stadium with a 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock first pitch tonight than you would with a 5 o'clock first pitch. But if there are, say, somewhere between 500 and 1,000 fewer people that are there, the ones that are there, you want to talk about being invested? Woo, <laughs> buddy. In, invested and in, in also something else. Emotionally invested and, yeah, they have... Uh, yeah, they're not going to be thirsty. Mm-mm. Nor should they be. Yeah. Well hydrated. Yeah. I just, I think for me, I think this goes back to when I was 14, 15 years old. I played on a, a baseball team one summer, and we played in a tournament. And the last game that we played in, after a long weekend with a lot of rain and tarp on and off the field and all that good stuff, we actually got to play in Swayze that weekend, a tournament that we were hosting. And it finished at like 1 in the morning on a Sunday, and it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, we were 15, and we were playing in a college baseball stadium on a Sunday night at midnight under the lights, and there were like 12 people in the stands. And it was awesome. And I think I've like held on to that memory forever. I mean, that was 28 years ago. Good grief. But here we are. So we'll see. It's also a good point from Brian. He said he's not disappointed to watch at night because it's been brutally hot the first two games, even though that was half a game. And anyway, brutally yeah. hot. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be great. Tennessee made that bold choice of wearing black in uh, in the first half of game one. That was an interesting choice. And, and then followed it up with their smoky grays. Yeah, it's like you guys don't have any anything else. All right, that's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Uh, for Hey Dad's sake, if for nothing else, let's get to this list. Top 25 players in the SEC for 2023. This is ranked by 24-7, and it's a pretty good list. I'm going to start at 25, and we'll start working our way down. There are questions. Tyron Hopper, a linebacker at Missouri, number 25. Number 24, Spencer Rattler. Okay. Number 23, Dominic Lovett. 22, Nathaniel Watson at Mississippi State. 22nd best player in the SEC this year. 
Uh, maybe. One spot behind K.J. Jefferson at 21. You think he's too high or too low? I would say he's, he's a little high. You think so? You don't think he... Yeah. I mean, I, I just... There, there, I, I wouldn't have... I, I would not... When we, look, when we get to the whole list, I'll explain. Uh, 21, K.J. Jefferson. Number 20, Cedric Van Praan, the offensive lineman from Georgia. Antoine Wells, Jr., wide receiver at South Carolina. Number 19. Number 18, Michael, uh, Michael Williams, defensive lineman at Georgia. Number 17, Javon Bullard, defensive back at Georgia. Number 16, Dwight McGlothern, defensive back at Arkansas. 15, Jamon Dumas Johnson, linebacker at Georgia. Feels like a theme here. Number 14, Joe Milton III, quarterback, Tennessee. Number 13 on the list. Way too high. Yeah, I mean, come on. Can, uh, oh. I, I mean, no, it's way too high. They're doing some projecting. Well, that's not what this is. This is the 25 best players in the SEC today. Okay. Joe Milton is not that guy. No. And that's my point. Uh, like he and Rattler both. I would not have. I would have Rodgers and Dart ahead of Rattler and Milton. Okay. Uh, Smile Mondon Jr., linebacker at Georgia, number thirteen. Number twelve, Malachi Starks, defensive back, Georgia. Number eleven, Will Campbell, offensive lineman, LSU. Now we're into the top ten. Rocket Sanders, running back, Arkansas, number ten. Number nine, Malik Neighbors, LSU. Number eight, Jaden Daniels, quarterback, LSU. Number seven, Quinshawn Judkins, running back, Ole Miss. Number six, Mason Smith. Mason Smith, help me out. Who's Mason LSU? Smith? LSU? Yeah. That's Mason Taylor, isn't it? tackle? No. Okay, no, so he's a defensive him. lineman from... Oh, LSU. I got you. I got you. We'll give you the top five when we come back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi continues. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't forget that this Sunday, this coming Sunday, is Father's Day, but you've still got time. If you go online to genteelapparel.com, you can order a gift for Dad and have it shipped, and it will be there in time for Father's Day. Enter your email address and get 10% off of your order. You can also... Uh, get Genteel Apparel at men's clothing stores across the state of Mississippi, including Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg, Abrahams in Indianola, The Willander in Brandon, Mile 363 in Natchez, T. Sappington and Company in New Albany, Abrahams in Cleveland, Claude Julians in Kosciuszko, MLM in Tupelo, Shirley Dogs in Corinth, The Well-Dressed Man in Brookhaven, and Oxbow in Memphis. Check them out. Whether it's the golf shirts, the pullovers, or the shorts, I've been raving about those. I'm wearing them today. They are the best shorts I have ever worn. And I'm not telling you that because they are a partner of ours on the radio. They are my favorite shorts, bar none. It's Genteel Apparel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. So we're going through this list from 24-7 of the top 25 players in college football. We stopped at number six, Mason Smith, the defensive lineman from LSU. Number five, Alabama's Dallas Turner. 
Number four, J.C. Latham, offensive lineman, offensive tackle at Alabama. Number three, Kool-Aid McKinstry, defensive back, Alabama. Number two, Harold Perkins, sophomore linebacker at LSU, and the number one player, according to this list, from 24-7, Brock Bowers, tight end, kind of, do-it-all tight end, line up anywhere in the formation tight end, just catch touchdowns tight end, Brock Bowers from Georgia. So, those are your top 25 players in the SEC, according to 24-7. What do you think of the list? I would have Perkins one ahead of Bowers. I just like Perkins better. I think he's a more more dominant player. Um, I don't like Rattler or Milton being on this list. Um, to me, like I've, I've said a few times now, you know, they're, the top four quarterbacks to me in the SEC are Jefferson, Daniels, Rodgers, Dart, whatever order you want to put them in. That, that's your top four. Milton, I just don't know enough about him, you know, to do that. If you, because if you're going to go like by potential, well, I'm I'm almost positive that Georgia or Alabama has a linebacker that is potentially better than Tyron Hopper because he's some five star kid who can't miss. So if we're doing potential, fine. But if, if we're going to do by the best players right now, Milton has not shown you near enough to be, especially be 14th on this list, ahead of K.J. Jefferson. No way. Borky? Yeah, I, I really I understand that there's a chance that he's going to end up being really good. I mean, the, the potential is there. And the end of last season, when he had to come in in place of Hinden Hooker, he played well, but... There is a lot of projecting love onto Joe Milton. I don't think he's earned yet. And you're pushing more accomplished guys aside in the process. You know, I mean, we've done these lists. We'll do more, I'm sure, because more are going to come out. And you've got accomplished, established quarterbacks in the SEC that are just getting pushed aside because the shiny new toy at Tennessee's here now. Or. Georgia's got a guy that, remember his recruitment? He was a five-star. He's never taken a meaningful snap before, ever. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely better than K.J. Jefferson to take this state out of it to avoid a label. That, that's the kind of stuff I don't like. When, when you've got these great established players, but they don't have a G on their helmet, you just push them aside. Or they don't have that big power T on their helmet. You just kind of push them aside like, eh, Joe Milton's better. By what measure? It, it's only potential, right? I mean, because you saw, him, you saw him against Vanderbilt and you saw him against Clemson last year. But you also saw him at Michigan. You also saw him as a starter at Tennessee before he lost the job to Hendon Hooker. How much has he grown as a passer? We're not going to know. But if you're basing on on what they are today, then I agree with you guys. I think that's sound logic for why Joe Milton should not be that high on the list. And K.J. Jefferson has proven it on the field. Jackson Dart has proven it on the field more than Joe Milton has. Correct. Will Rogers has as well, to, to use Haydad's argument right. just from a moment ago. Yeah. I mean, you could argue Devin Leary, who's going to be the starter at Kentucky this year, has proven it more on the field than Joe Milton has at this point. Yes, you can. Yeah. 
can almost go with Graham Mertz. Well, no, I wouldn't go crazy. <laughs> hey, that easy now. You're pushing Hi. it. Hi. I didn't say he proved he was good. <laughs> said he's proven. Yeah. And Rattler was good twice last year. And they just happened to be well, really, really, really good games against the two best teams not named Georgia that he played. Yeah. Hey, uh, what Beyond that, get... I don't have a lot of issues with this with this list, though. It's interesting to see, like, what there's only, what, three receivers and two running backs on this list? There's so much defensive talent in this thing. Yeah. I had a lot of defensive talent yeah. in the SEC. I, I've been asked a bunch, and I'm sure you have, Richard, is, well, what, what does Judkins have to do numbers-wise to win the Heisman? Is what I've been asked that half a dozen Ooh. times lately. Ooh. And I said, honestly, I was like, it's the same numbers as last year. Stay healthy, put up the same numbers, lead the SEC in rushing, and win 10 games. Then you can get an invite to New York. You're not winning it. I would say this, though. With a running back, you don't have to have the wins as much. If you are if you have crazy stats. If he rushes for, like, I mean, he rushed for, what, 15, 1,600 last year? If he's up to 18, 1,900 this year, I mean, he could be because they don't have Zach Evans. And he rushes for 20 touchdowns. He'll be in the discussion, even if Ole Miss is just an, an eight-win team. You want to win the Heisman Trophy as a running back? You have to have two thousand yards and twenty touchdowns, and then you got to have another what three to five hundred yards receiving and another handful of touchdowns there. And your team's got to win because that's part of the qualifications for the award. I mean, I, what you better win nine. I mean, anything less than nine, you don't have a shot. Yeah, I don't think it's a, no, it's a team I, award I almost as much as it is a player. I don't necessarily agree with that with running backs, though. I think with running backs, if you have crazy stats, you don't have you don't have to be but but think about who high up on the win. But, but no, think I mean, about that's who you're what that's the I'm talking about to win it, not just to be in the conversation, but to actually win it. I I, mean, I get what you're saying, but if the stats are just ludicrous, you can you can you can get there. I think. All right, let, let me throw one at you. Let me let me throw one at you, and you tell me if this is good enough to win the Heisman Trophy. I'd say Muhammad Ibrahim. Uh-huh. At Minnesota, rushes for twenty two hundred yards mm-hmm. with twenty four touchdowns, and he has three hundred yards receiving with another four touchdowns. Okay, and like Minnesota goes seven and five. Yeah, he could be in the discussion. I don't know if but he's he good enough to win. win. It. I don't he know. I got, win it. I got to know who the other guys are. I got to know what their stats were. Well, I know they're all going to be the Williams. quarterbacks. You know from, what he's going to put up. Yeah, he'll be there. Ewers will probably be there, and then you know who you know Buckner or, or whoever May. from Alabama puts up great numbers. May May is interesting because as a quarterback, is he going to win enough games? With the quarterback, the wins are the, are the important. It's fascinating. There's some good players yeah. in college football this year. What? Hey, and, and look, one thing that we hold, 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 let me throw one more at you. Yeah. We're going we're going to have a not named Caleb like I think Caleb Williams is the leader in the clubhouse for the for the Heisman before we take a snap this year. Absolutely. But the winning quarterback in the LSU Florida State game Goes to is going to get some major yeah. major hype after week 1. Yeah. I agree with that. One thing that we, let me ask you this is Judkins the best Heisman candidate in the SEC right now? None of the quarterbacks stand out to you. 
There's not a receiver. From I don't what think a defensive player, Perkins now, or, you know. Yes. Bowers is Bowers can't be that guy as a tight end, I don't think. He or is it Daniels? It's, 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 it's Daniels or, 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 or Judkins, maybe. Probably those two. I think you're underselling how much the team has to win, though. I, I, I think... Maybe I, mean, I am, it, but what I does just it take feel... for Brock Bowers? A thousand yards and twelve touchdowns. He needs a couple more of those rushing touchdowns that that catch the highlight reels. A couple more of those jet sweeps where he takes 60, 70 yards. But yeah, if he's a thousand yard receiver, is, is Mike Bobo going touchdowns? to be as creative in getting the ball to to Brock Bowers as Jeff Munkin was? <laughs> if you made me guess, not no. Jeff Munkin. Todd Munkin. Todd Munkin. Sorry, Todd. Jeff Munkin is the coach at. Army. Todd Munkin was. Yes. Yeah. If he maybe guess no. Because to me that oh, was the new quarterback. Yeah. You know, they might they might rely on the tight end a little bit more. Plus he doesn't have Darnell Washington anymore. Sort of taking some catches away from him. Yeah. We will resume the countdown of one hundred teams in one hundred days when we come back, and this is a team that uh well, we talk about a lot. Michael Borky loves to hate on. So does hate at. We'll be back after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Different teams. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Ooh, guys, this is a this is a good addition to the Heisman conversation. Michael Penix Jr. Quarterback oh, in Washington. Yeah, and they're going to win enough games, too. They're going to be good, and he's going to put up one. big numbers if he stays healthy. So, yeah. Um, despite some of the messages that we have been sent saying that 8 o'clock is the first pitch time, we do not see an official announcement from Southern Miss or the NCAA yet for an official start time tonight for Southern Miss Tennessee Game 3 Super Regional. I promise you. If we get one of those in the next 21 minutes, we will give it to you before we go off the air. I would encourage you to follow the Southern Miss Twitter feed. Uh, it is at Southern Miss BSB. And I, I feel like they are going to be one of the very first to post an official start time. Uh, there is a lot of hope that 8 o'clock is going to be the first pitch time, which would be like 8.06. But that is not official yet. So you ready to future one? trip big time? To future trip. Future trip. It's uh getting excited about something you see in the future or that could happen in the future. Future mm-hmm. tripping. Do we no, need I mean, future I understand Brian? the concept? I Michael Penix Jr.'s Heisman moment in the Coliseum late Saturday night, November fourth. Ooh. Yeah, I can be excited for that. Yeah. They've got Oregon at home earlier in the season. They go to Michigan State, by the way. What an interesting non-conference matchup and uh, probably another loss for Michigan State. But either way, they have Utah on the schedule, obviously. They go to USC. There's a chance that our friend on the text line is spot on about this one. Yeah. It's, uh, It's really good. 
It's really, really good. All right, let's count them down. 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one, go! Catching up a little bit, and it's probably going to be Wednesday before we are back exactly on count. But we got a bunch of teams to preview in the next few days. Team number 85 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Goodbye to Texas University. The Fighting Aggies of Texas A&M. This was the only one where it was actually the number that they were. Oh, they were 85. Look yes. at you. Look at you. It's a stroke of luck. S&P Plus, by the way, as of end of May, had Texas A&M at 17 in their rankings. Let me throw a couple of numbers at you from last year to illustrate just how bad Texas A&M was offensively. They averaged less than 23 points per game last year. Texas A&M, as a team, over the course of 13 games, rushed it for 141.4 yards per game, and that is with Devon Chain in the backfield. They threw, as a team, for 2,633 yards last year. That was a phenomenal number. In 1993, they averaged 360.8 yards per game of total offense last season. Now, we heard a lot about Texas A&M's defense, and their defense is pretty good. They gave up 365 yards per game. That's, that's, That's more than they averaged on the offensive side. Now, the guy that stands out for me, and I know Haydad has said he's got to see more, is the quarterback. Um, Connor Wegman played in five games last year. He completed 55% of his passes, which was actually a lower completion percentage than Haynes King. It was a significantly lower completion percentage than Max Johnson. He had eight touchdowns and was not intercepted. Now, here's the difference. In six games, Haynes King threw for seven touchdowns with six interceptions. Max Johnson, in four games, threw for three touchdowns. He was not picked off. 896 yards. Now, those numbers don't wow you. But I saw some moments with Connor Wegman where it's like, okay, there's something there. There's really something there. We know that it is a talented roster at Texas A&M because they have recruited at a really high level. Really high level. They're an X factor in the SEC this year. And I don't think I don't mean they're going to win the thing or even win the division, but they're going to disrupt somebody. We we saw it last year. LSU had already secured the West so it didn't really matter, but they knocked them out of the playoff. Did did that Texas A&M team have any business beating that LSU team last year? Oh, of course not. But they did. They did. And, and so. And you don't do that if you don't have talent on your roster. Absolutely not. 
So they're going to do that again this season. I mean, look, I joke and put a W next to, and they're going to go five and seven and all those jokes. But man, they're going to line up on multiple Saturdays this year and just out talent people that will surprise you. It's going to happen. Happened last year. So, so look at, at wide receiver. Anaya Smith is back for his fifth year, and we know he's a good player. Evan Stewart flashed beautifully last year. Moose Muhammad is back as well. He's a junior. So that's three good wide receivers. Who wouldn't trade their group of wide receivers for that one in the league? Not many. Hmm. I need to think on that a bit. But it's a really good group. The fact that you can even say that tells you something. I think there's a whole lot of we don't know at running back. They got a bunch of dudes that are highly rated but unproven in the backfield. Quarterback, you still got Max Johnson on the roster. Connor Wegman, though, expected to be the starter. The sophomore from Cypress, Texas. We know about Max Johnson, the LSU transfer. By the way, at running back, they've got a North Texas transfer in Preston Landis. And they got a couple of junior college running backs, one from Kilgore, one from Cisco, and then a bunch of high school guys. Um, they had a really good kicker a year ago. Don't know who the kicker is going to be this year. They've got the best punter in the SEC coming back in Nick Costantino. And then on the defensive side, they got a bunch of dudes. So. What do they do against this schedule this year? New Mexico in the opener, that's a win. They go to Miami. That's a really important game in week two. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M is more talented than Miami. Yes, they are. They just are. That roster is far more talented. But they're going to play an afternoon game in Miami Gardens, Florida, inside Hard Rock Stadium in week two. And Tyler Van Dyke, despite overtures from yep. probably Alabama, Decided to stick around at Miami. Texas A&M's next four games are all inside the state of Texas. ULM for a home game. Auburn for their SEC opener. Ooh, that's a massive game for them. They, that, that like For a September 23rd game for them, they have to win that game. If, they're, if Jimbo's going to keep his job, you've got to be this Auburn team at home, don't you? Yes. You would think. Yes. You would think. Arkansas and Arlington, and then Alabama on October 7th. It is traditionally the best game that Texas A&M plays, and they get it at home. And then the next week they go to Tennessee. And then they get an open date, and then this is the finish to the schedule for Texas A&M. South Carolina at home last Saturday in October. At Ole Miss, first Saturday in November. Mississippi State at home on November 11th. They catch a break with Abilene Christian on November 18th, and they finish in Baton Rouge on Saturday, November 25th. Is this Texas 8-4? and four? Is this Texas A&M 10-2? Or is it worse than 8-4? and four? With this schedule, 8-4 and four would feel like kind of an accomplishment. That, that's about as tough as you can get, man. It really is. Is it? Really is. 
it's, it's, that's a tough schedule. There aren't many more difficult ones in the league. I mean, they have three complete layups, slam dunks in the non-conference, and then a road trip to Miami. And from the east, they I mean, play Tennessee on the road and South Carolina at home. Yeah, that trip Those to are tough games. Brutal. Miami is not a gimme by any stretch of the imagination. And then you have the west. Then you have the west. Eight and four doesn't feel like it would be very well received. It would not no. this year. But we are left with the one massive lingering question. Is Jimbo still hands-on with the offense, or does he hand Bobby Petrino the reins and let him drive? I knew the answer to that. It would change how I looked at this Texas A&M team, but I don't know the answer to that question. And neither do you. And I don't think Bobby Petrino knows the answer to that question. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. If you are in the market for a new truck, SUV, or a car, let me direct you to Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota on Highway 6 West in Oxford. The Belks have been in the automobile business since the 1920s. Belk Ford has been a Ford dealer since 1961. Toyota dealership was added in 1990, and they've been serving Oxford and North Mississippi for a really long time. But you don't have to be in or from Oxford to take advantage of the deals at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. You can find them online at belkford.net. Whether you're looking for a new F-150, a Super Duty, perhaps the Ford Bronco, or maybe it's a used vehicle, they've got you covered. Great selection, new F-150s arriving every single day, best-selling truck in America for 46 straight years, and they're going to treat you like family, a family dealership that will treat you like family. Service after the sale with the uh, the service department that's available for routine maintenance but also more significant repairs should that be what you need. And also they will get you taken care of with the financing option that is best for you, whether it's through Ford Credit or through one of the other options that they've got available. Great selection, going to treat you like a person, help you get into the vehicle that you are looking for. That's Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Stop by and see them and tell them that Sports Talk Mississippi sent you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydet. We are counting down to the start of the third game of the Hattiesburg Super Regional. What you got there, Borky? I thought when you said oh, we counting. You. Well, you said no, counting no, no, no. I'm sorry. And, and I so I had no. the Utah fight song queued up. And I, I, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair for us to only give Kyle Whittingham three minutes on the countdown of 100 right. teams in 100 days. That would be indicative of the respect that he gets from every other place which is not enough respect. Utah deserves a the, the full treatment. 
Hey, Dad, what will we, will, shall we commit to three teams tomorrow? I mean, we could try. I thought we would commit to four today. We so. have to commit to four teams tomorrow. Four. No, to I catch mean, up. As long, as long as we'll, we'll be caught up by Wednesday. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll be caught up by Wednesday. Oh, just stop it. Hey, Dad, you're such a slave to a schedule. We're going to get all the teams ah. in. We're going to get all of them okay. in. We have this list I'm right sure here. This is only page just like one. baseball. No, 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 not just like baseball. We're going to get there. Yeah, we got an entire summer to do this. Oh yeah, the Utah Utes deserve their due, Brian Haydad, and you are one of the haters. Oh, they they certainly do. And so does Iowa State. So does Ole Miss. Well, now let's not go crazy. Southern Miss, all that coming up this week in the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days, but. We are closing in on an undisclosed start time in Hattiesburg for baseball tonight. <laughs> undisclosed. It is an undisclosed start time. One last look at the radar lets us know that it's it's getting a little bit better. And the uh, severe thunderstorm warning is nearing its end. And by 7 o'clock, the rain is going to be out of the Hattiesburg area. And my prediction is that by 8 o'clock we're playing baseball tonight. All that is is a prediction, though. I don't know anything that you don't know. We do not have a start time on the books from the NCAA or uh, Southern Mist as the host school. But we are hopeful. We are Sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, What do you need to see tonight for the Golden Eagles? What, What... if tomorrow we are talking about Southern Miss headed to Omaha for the College World Series, what happened tonight? They got to jump out early again, for sure, and uh, and then they got to be able to hold it. I mean, I feel like Nico Maza needs to give them four or five good innings, and then they can get into the bullpen. And then, like you said, with three outs to go, I have to imagine that Storm's coming in. Unless he just cannot go, which I would believe he, I think I saw a tweet or a text earlier. Scott Barry said everybody but Tanner Hall could go today, so we'll see. That is uh, that's what he said after uh, yesterday's game. We know we're not going to see Tanner Hall tonight, but you could see Storm, you could see Matt Adams, you could see uh, Will Armistead. A lot of options there. Feels like it's going to be kind of a like an everybody pitches in night, right? I mean, yeah. Feels like Dustin Dickerson's going to have to be good. Rodrigo Montenegro is going to have to come up with a big hit in the lineup somewhere along the way. Uh, Christopher Sargent may have to hit a long ball mixed in there somewhere along the way. And other guys coming up big, like like Tate Parker did on on Saturday with that that triple in the first inning, score a couple of runs. Maybe some guys that you're not necessarily thinking about. Southern Miss and Tennessee. We'll see when they start. Going to play baseball tonight at some point with a trip to Omaha hanging in the balance. For Brian Haydad and Michael Borky in the Pearl River Resort Studios, I'm Richard Cross. Have a great Monday night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.